Welcome to Hillhurst United Church, the podcast. We're really glad you're here. Whoever you are, wherever you're at, join us on the journey. Let us pray. Spirit of God, may you draw near. Draw near as we delve into our souls. May we discover and draw joy that in our living, through our tears, we know your love. May the right word be spoken this day for the living of our journey. Amen. So today is the third Sunday of our Advent journey, activating hope, activating peace, activating joy. And I know many people will tell me that one of the reasons they zone in or connect or come to church is to be filled up. Some say they actually get to the doors and they feel like they're just low groveling and they come in and they experience the music, the silence, the word, the people. And in that gathering, they're filled up for another week. Some people say to me that is that encounter that turns them from despair to joy or from despair to hope. The other common thing people say to me when they leave after church, if you are here, is many people will come to the door with tears in their eyes and they'll say to me, you made me cry. To which I immediately say, I didn't make you cry. Those tears come from God. And I truly believe that. I believe that the tears that we cry come from our soul, come from our sacred place, and come ultimately from God. Let me explain. You know, this year I have heard more than any other year in my 30 years, people say to me, I'm just not into Christmas this year. I'm just not into Christmas this year. And if I have a chance to engage in conversation, people will share with me the origins of that. Well, how they're feeling. First off, people have said to me, I'm sick of commercialism. I'm sick of how the tradition of Christmas has been pushed aside and all it's about is buying things, giving things, getting things, and the tinsel is actually strangling them, forbidding them to, forbidding them from experiencing the true joy of Christmas. People have said to me, I'm just sick of the commercialism. The second thing people say to me is, uh, I'm not into Christmas this year because of the impending conflict. They're anticipating already the conflict around the Christmas table, whether it is a conversation about politics or vaccines or racism or religion, all of the topics coming at the table fearful of the impending conflict that will come around the Christmas table. And some have said to me that they're sick of, uh, they're feeling like they're not into Christmas this year because of the overarching grief that we're all feeling because there has been a certain loss in these last two years. For one, loss of gathering in a church community or the loss of a loved one or the loss of a relationship or the loss of a job. There's been so many things and weighted that this experience of loss is touching into the grief that all of us have experienced. So whether it's commercialism or conflict or grief, there is a sense where we're all saying, I am just not into it this year. And I gotta admit, I get that. 
I'm kind of like me too to this statement. And yet this past week, I had a bit of a discovery, a bit of a turning, if you will, to better understanding how joy works when all of these weights are upon us. It came for me in exploring a book called The Book of Joy, written by the Dalai Lama and Desmond Tutu, two amazing people who have experienced difficulty in their life. And they reflect on the difference between happiness and joy. In the book, they say that people interchange these words, but there is a distinct difference between happiness and joy. They talk about how happiness is often dependent on external circumstances. You can feel happy with a, a great latte or a piece of chocolate or all the lights turning green as you're trying to get somewhere. These external influences help us feel happiness. They say that happiness is an outward experience and it's temporary. When they say they look at joy, they say it is actually an internal experience. It comes from a knowing often through grief or difficulty or loss, and it is an inner experience that is actually lasting. So they say that this interchangeability is actually real, but what we're after is the immense joy that comes in the book or the life of joy. They write, vulnerability is the only means we have to build relationships, and relationships are the only way to experience real joy. In this book, they talk about the power of vulnerability. And from that place of vulnerability comes lasting joy. On Monday evening at our spiritual nurture group, uh, we gathered with uh, the guest Spirit River from our congregation on our board, the, the president of the Association of Students at Mount Royal University. And in his talk with us, he reminded us with the work of Brene Brown of the power of vulnerability and the importance of being vulnerable to connect to our source of joy. He said that Brene Brown reminds us of our vulnerability and the vulnerability is actually strength or courage. Courage means heart, the heart. And it is in this sense of realness, in this sense of depth, in this sense of open-heartedness that we actually touch and experience joy well beyond our sense of happiness. Spirit River was reminding us that it is in that place of vulnerability when we are open-hearted, when we are open-souled, if you will, that we experience the gift of vulnerability. This came to me, of course, last night, the night before preaching at three in the morning, when I woke up and put this on my phone. Vulnerability is the birthplace of joy. Vulnerability is the birthplace of joy. That is this sense of vulnerability when we're, when we're in it, when we open our heart in relationship one to another, we experience the vulnerability and inevitably the tears of joy come. Stay with me. It's not unlike the text we had and heard today from Isaiah. Listen to these words. Surely God is my salvation. I will trust and not be afraid. God is my strength and my defense. God has become my salvation. With joy, you will draw water from the wells of salvation. In that day, you will say, 
Give praise to God, proclaim God's name, make known among the nations what God has done and proclaim God's name. Sing to God, for God has done glorious things. Let us be known in all the world. Shout aloud and sing joy, people of Zion, for great is the Holy One among you. What I love in this passage is this, Isaiah is talking about how God is indeed salvation. Now, you may just automatically say, yuck, I hate that word, because so often it is used as an exclusive, narrow sense. But the root of salvation means to develop without hindrance and wide open prairie skies. And the word salvation has at its core salve, which is healing. God is our healing. And it is from those wells that we shall draw joy. And I think there is great truth in this. It is from the well, from the lowest place, from the birthplace, we shall experience joy. How do you experience joy? How does joy come to you? I wonder if it has come when you've entered into that valley, into that dark place, into that low place, when you have gone into that well that you have discovered a sense of joy. So it was for me in conversations this past week or so. On Monday evening, as we explored on Zoom with, a, with about 35 people, this whole idea of joy, when I said to the community, when have you experienced joy that has come from your grief? A woman clicked in and told her story about how two years ago it was that, that her dad died of COVID unexpectedly. And in her grief that fall, the community gathered to support her. Each night during Advent, they rang the door and left a little package there. And in it were small symbols of connection. It might've been a candy. It might've been a candle. It might've been some reminder that they weren't alone. And through her tears telling this community, she said it was that reminder that I was connected and not forgotten and not alone that I could move through my grief. And yes, there were tears, tears on the screen as she told the story, but also tears of reminder that it is in that place of grief and a vulnerability and storytelling that her healing began. I believe that vulnerability is the birthplace of joy. Then I, I was in a conversation on Monday and I said, where do you get joy? And someone quickly piped up and said, I gotta tell you this funny story. I was at the church on Saturday and we were planning our skit for Christmas Eve and doing some recording. And the kids were in the gym and they were running around in their Christmas costumes and they were banging on the piano, running in circles, laughing and giggling. And she said, it was the church noise that brought me joy. It used to drive me crazy, but now people gathered in the building and the noise brought me joy. She said, I never thought I'd say that. Here it is, the loss of community and the taste and sound of community that brought joy to this person. Vulnerability is the birthplace of joy. Another person said to me, it's actually for me being in relationship with the earth. When I get outside by myself and I'm walking and I find a place to pause and to sit and I don't rush and I pay attention to all that's around me, I discover it. They said I had, happened to have seeds in my pocket 
to feed the chickadees. And as I sat and just placed them on my hand and the chickadees descended to be fed, it was a moment of joy. And there were tears of gratitude and surprise in the gift of creation. When we are in creation and we realize that we're not observing it, but we're a part of it, the birds, the trees, the water, the mountain, the air, when we realize we are part of it, it causes us to experience joy through tears. Vulnerability is the birthplace of joy. Another person on a walk uh, with them was uh, shared about how they're just going through incredible grief for a year ago, they had a death of an infant in their family, a stillborn death. And then a year later, the, a 20-year-old grandson dying and in her, in her anger and her appropriate rage at what's going on, she says, I just don't get it. Why would God do this to me? And we stopped on our walk and I said, I do not believe God did this to you. I do not believe God causes cancer or accidents or illness. God's not the God I worship. I said, look at Jesus. He cries out, my God, my God, why have you forsaken me? Even Jesus experienced the, fake, the forsakenness of people crucifying. And in our conversation, when I shared that it was God's heart, the first to break and God's tears to fall, that God is angry with us at how life breaks our heart. She said through her tears, that makes so much sense. God's heart the first to break, God's tears, the first to fall. So you see, I believe all of these experiences of loss, of change, of challenge, when we are indeed in that place, that it, vulnerability is the birthplace of joy. And usually it involves tears. Usually it involves a realness with another about how we really are, a realness with, our, with another about the story of who we are. And I believe vulnerability is the birthplace of joy. And that is the beginning of our healing. That is the beginning of seeing God as salvation, as God healing us through our tears to a new beginning. So how this is how it works for me or the story that comes to mind for me about how this works. About a month ago, I was uh, in Ontario to meet my mother and extended family. I took my daughter, Allie, to help my mother who has, was moving out of a condo into a retirement home. And it was my job to go through a closet in this space. The closet held things like tools and boxes and broken things and also photo albums and uh, 35 years of my dad's sermons. And it was entering into that closet uh, that I experienced joy. Now I'm fully aware, as I mentioned the word closet, that this might be a trigger for the LGBTQ community be, who feel that at Christmas they have to enter into a closet or the closet is a hiding of their true self. But in this, for me, it was a sacred closet because it was a place where I could actually discover the soul and connect to the soul. And even in that low despairing place, discover joy. And so I wrote about it on the flight back from this experience. And it will have been in the paper yesterday, the Calgary Herald. 
but I want to read it for you now because it helps you catch a glimpse how it is from that place of vulnerability that joy is born. So the weekend I had in Toronto with my, um, my mom and my brother and my daughter, Allie, uh, spending time in this condo and in this closet that brought forth all of these treasures. When I got to the airport, I sat down because I was going to be there a long time, as you heard in a sermon a few weeks ago. And I just wrote my experience. And I encourage you to think about how this works in your life, because it's the writing of the stories that we discover as we delve to the, through, to the well of the soul, perhaps where joy resides. So here we go. COVID-19 has been hard on everyone perhaps hardest on those living alone. So it was for my mother who's 94. Being alone was hard. She's a people person. When things began to ease up in the fall, we decided it was time to move her into a retirement home. We assured ourselves it was the right thing to do. She would meet others. She would have three meals a day and maybe even find a scrabble partner. All of this talk meant that she had to sell the condo that she had been living in for 20 years and 15 years with my dad who had died earlier. My siblings agreed the move, to move the bigger furniture and they left me the task of going through the dreaded storage room, the closet. This room is crammed with photo albums, tools, miscellaneous stuff, including a large filing cabinet with my father's sermons from 1952 to 1995. My dad was the United Church minister for 40 years and he kept everything. I was kind of excited to accept the challenge of going into the closet and sorting through all that I could find. I wasn't looking for a sermon to recycle and share with you. Rather, I wanted to find out what was going on in my father's mind or heart as the world unfolded and he reflected it in his sermons. My dad believed that Sermons that matter reflect the issues of the day, that people who gather come to know what's going on in the world and how does it connect. And he maintained that holding the Bible in one hand and the newspaper was the other, was how this dialogue would come alive. Today, we might hold the iPhone and the Bible together and see what does my faith say to what's going on in the world. The sermons were typed on a typewriter. I remember many warnings waking up, hearing him clack, clack, clack on a Saturday morning. The mistakes were crossed out with an X, X, X. The pages were highlighted in red pencil. They are pieces of creative art. I discovered as I went through the filing cabinet, his Queen Elizabeth, uh, the week that Queen Elizabeth was crowned in 1953, a sermon about this. I read a 1968 sermon in July, one small step when we remembered the first time a person landed on the moon. I discovered a sermon on the tragic news when J.F. Kennedy was shot. And I also read a sermon on Martin Luther King's I Have a Dream speech. I found references to the musical Jesus Christ Superstar. Do you remember seeing it on the, on the big tapes? Uh, the Jesus Christ Superstar Sermon on Joy. And then, of course, he had to have a sermon when the Canadians beat the Russians in the hockey tournament in 1972. And then the joy experience in 1992 when the Blue Jays are a Canadian team 
won the World, World Series. 50 years of sermon notes. I was delighted in holding them in my hand and imagining him typing the sermons and delivering them off by heart. He didn't use notes, but I saw the notes that were the sermon. In amongst the sermon, there were letters to colleagues, thank you notes from couples who had been married or had their child baptized by him. There were touching notes of gratitude for a funeral he had led for a loved one. There were handwritten notes tucked into envelopes with 10 cent stamps. It was classic. It seems he kept every note. Perhaps he read them on days when he wondered if it mattered what he did. The notes were a testament to his compassion and the smell of the musty old paper made me sneeze. These notes and sermons were a gift, but what was also interesting in this closet were the collection of newspaper clippings. Here he was clipping out newspaper clippings. I discovered one from the Globe and Mail proclaiming these words, peace at last, dated August 22nd, 1947, after the war. The paper's price at that time was three cents. As I continued, what took my breath away was a 1966 newspaper front page cover of a boy 12 years old cringing as he got a measles vaccination. The title read, many tears now lead to fewer tears later. Discovering this photo amidst the present debate about COVID vaccination for children caused me to pause. How is it that I'm finding this on this day? The sermon that was about that was called Present Day Miracles. Was this a divine message I was getting? The Bible and the newspaper are a good practice then and now. I also discovered in that filing cabinet and in boxes the, the report cards of my dad from school. His struggle in math made me understand my own struggle with math. The handwritten grades and comments were formal and directive, handwritten by the teacher. There were black and white photographs of my dad's sports teams in high school and university. Bundled in with these were homemade Mother's Day and Father's Day cards that my siblings and I had made over 50 years ago, written on construction paper, written in cursive writing. The messages had a formal tone, yet reflected our appreciation for my dad's sense of humor, his love of sports and care of the family. Buried deep in these boxes, we discovered my parents' wedding photos, my, my mother's first airplane ticket from 1947, handwritten, purchased for $18.04 to fly from Toronto to Ottawa. We also discovered a two foot by two foot menu from the Chinese restaurant they went to on their honeymoon in 1952. Why did he keep all of these treasures? The dreaded closet was anything but. It was a sacred time for me to reminisce and reflect, time to peek into my dad's soul. The Bible and the newspaper connected. To glimpse my dad's sentimental heart that we love so much, the closet opened me to the gift of the past and made me appreciate the present even more. My mother has moved into the retirement home without a closet for old treasures. Thankfully, I kept a large hockey bag filled 
with the contents for my kids to explore one day. In a time when we're encouraged to declutter, I'm thankful my dad kept the clutter and the memories for me, my family, and future generations. That's what I wrote. And here's the thing as I reflect on that writing. It was hard. It was painful, and yet it was deeply joyful. We laughed right out loud, and we cried when we saw some of these treasures. And that's the way joy works. It often comes from the loss and the grief that we somehow discover joy, and it is experience. You see, vulnerability is the birthplace of joy. And I share this because it's important for you to know that it is in your vulnerability, in your grief, that you will experience joy. And I know Christmas, can, our emotions can be right on the surface, and I invite you to delve into them, to go into the well and remain there and allow tears to flow because it is in those tears that you will name this as the gift of joy. In Bethlehem, we celebrate the birth of Emmanuel, God with us. And I know this day that if we trust and if we delve and if we rest, and if we weep, we will indeed birth joy. So as you go into this week, may this experience today fill you up. May the tears that fall from your eyes remind you that God Emmanuel is with you and with me and with all of us as we journey. May it be so. Amen. Thanks so much for tuning in to Hillhurst United Church, the podcast. If you enjoyed today's episode and are thinking about someone who might enjoy it too, we invite you to send it their way and help the podcast grow. We're really glad you're here and we'd love to know what you thought about today's sermon. Leave us a review in iTunes or send us an email at communications at hillhurstunited.com. We'd love to hear from you.